A man was being honored uh, at his, his, as his city's leading, leading citizen. He was called on, you know, as they were honoring him to tell the, the story of his life. And he said, friends and neighbors, when I first came here 30 years ago, I walked into your town on a muddy dirt road with only the suit on my back and the shoes on my feet and all of my earthly possessions wrapped up in a red bandana tied to a stick, which I carried over my shoulder. And today, I'm the chairman of the board of the bank. I own hotels, apartment buildings, office buildings, three companies with branches in 49 cities, and I'm on the boards of all the leading clubs. Yes, friends, your city has been very good to me. And after the banquet... A young man, a little boy, walked up to him, to, the, to this great man, and said, Sir, could you tell me what you had wrapped up in that red bandana when you walked into this town 30 years ago? The man looked at him and said, Son, I think it was about $750,000 in cash. <laughs> <laughs> kind of helps when you get that kind of a start, doesn't it? There's another story about a woman who found an, another way to wealth. A woman was walking along the river with a friend and a a frog hopped up beside her, and, 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 it's, it's, and it sounded like the frog was talking. And so she started listening a little more closely, and, and the frog croaked out. And the frog said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a Texas oil man, and I'll be grateful to you forever. And as quick as she could, she snatched up that frog and stuffed it into her purse. And her friend said, why in the world did you just... Uh, did you stuff it in your purse instead of taking advantage of the offer and kissing him? And she said, well, that's easy. These days, a talking frog is worth a lot more than a Texas oil man. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you talk about riches. Every parent here knows the truth about wealth and poverty. Poverty is hereditary. You get it from your kids. <laughs> also true of insanity, by the way. But... Uh, you know, every one of us here, I'm sure that everybody here has seen one of those you can get rich quick without any work and with no risk at all offers, the sort of things on TV or on some kind of thing you get in the mail. And, uh, and everybody wants the, the easy way. Everybody wants to get rich quick. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why the lottery is so popular, which, by the way, I forget who said it, but uh, I believe it's very true. The lottery is a tax for people who can't do math. Just think about that. <laughs> figure the odds of your, and you'll figure out why, what I'm talking about. But anyway, everybody wants that, you know, and everyone wants to be a, a millionaire for a dollar and that sort of thing. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about how to be rich. But I, I'm not talking about becoming a millionaire. In fact, I'm not even talking about becoming rich with money or houses or land or possessions because the reality is those kind of riches all pass away. You have them for a while and then it's gone, you know, and, and, and the, the truth is, as you've heard it said, you can't take it with you. I have done, in all my years of ministry, I've done a lot of different funerals. I have yet to see a U-Haul trailer hooked up to a hearse, you know. You just can't take it with you. Those are not the kind of riches. Those are, those are nice and all, but that's not really what we're talking about. I'm talking about living rich. I'm talking about living life to the fullest and being rich in life. And how, how do we do that? How do we find the, the untold riches of God's grace? Well, it's three things. The first thing is this. In order to be rich, the first thing you need to do is you need to, to find your place in the harvest. This is one of the things we talked about Wednesday night. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. Everybody here probably knows this. Some people, it's your favorite verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And, and we read that and we know that God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And we, we discover God's plan and his purpose in our lives by, 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 uh, by finding ourselves in him and, and looking at life through his eyes and seeing his plan overall. And, and so you begin to realize when he says, I have a plan for you, what it means is that we have a part in his plan. There's something that he wants to accomplish through us to, 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 to move toward his eternal purposes. And so the reality is there's, there is a greater purpose that God has for you than just going to work and earning a paycheck and, and, and having things and all of these, nothing wrong with those things, but there is a much greater purpose for life for you than that. So you, you may be a janitor or you may be the president of the United States, but it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, that God has a higher purpose for you. And the reality is, the ultimate part in that, the why we were here, is that we are all part of the harvest. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, Jesus tells a story about Jesus sending out the 72. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. He says right there, I love that. This is one of the few places where we actually get a prayer request from Jesus. He says, I want you to ask the Lord of the harvest for workers in the harvest. And then on the heels of that, what I really love about this, and it's the same in Matthew when, when the same story is told there. Uh, they, he says to them, he says, I want you to pray that God will send out workers in the harvest, and then right on the heels of that, you know what he does? He sends them out as workers to the harvest, and he said, you're going to pray about it, but you're going to be part of the answer for your prayer. He says, go. And the reality is there is a place that God has for you to touch the lives of people and to make a difference in this world. And, and, and the, the thing is, this is the part that we get confused on, God wants you to know your place in the harvest. See, sometimes we get this idea that we say, well, I want to know God's will. And we get this picture in our mind that God's up in heaven saying, I have a plan for you. <laughs> Guess what it is? <laughs> As if he doesn't want us to know. You know, it's like he says, I have a plan for you. And I'm not about to tell you what it is. You've got to jump through 24 hoops before you can even find out what I'm doing or what I want to do. That's not the way it is. He's trying to communicate to us. The problem is we don't hear so well so many times when he speaks. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to know, uh, even, though, even though he may not show you everything, by the way. You know, because, listen, let, let's face it. If God has a... If he wants to do some great thing through your life down the road, if he showed you that right now, for a lot of us, it would just scare us, right? And we, would just, we just would quit. We'd say, oh, no way. You know, so, I mean, there may be somebody in here that God one day is going to use on the mission field. 
But right now, maybe, maybe you would look at that and say, oh, I don't know if I could do that. So he's going he's gonna to give you everything you need to know. He's not trying to hide it from you but, you. but you have to understand he's going to show you something. He's going to give you joy in, in, in finding that place of service. And the reality is you're only going to find fulfillment in your life when you're active in the harvest, in the place that God sends you, in the place where he has equipped you, the, where you're prepared to do that, where he has called you to. I remember a time in my life when, um, I won't go into the details, but the first church that I was in, um, uh, there were some things happened, and uh, I got hurt. And, and I was, I honestly, I said, if this is ministry, I don't want any part of this. It was just a painful situation. And for about six months, I, I left the ministry. I was working at a print shop. But God started doing some work in my life, began to heal me and help me learn how to forgive, which, by the way, is for the person who's forgiving, not the one who needs forgiving. Forgiveness is for you, not for them. And, uh, and so uh, he worked through that. And, 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 uh, but something began to stir inside of me because, because when he calls you, he, he doesn't just say, oh, just kidding. The call is still there. And so uh, even though at that point in my time I was running from it, I didn't want any part of it, he did some work and he be, did some healing in my life. But I was working at this printing company, and, and the thing was I was doing really well there. In fact, I had caught some, uh, some things. I had received a commendation from the owner. Things were looking good. I, I could, I could, I could uh, advance in this company. It was going to be a good situation. I, I was going to be able to make some good money. And in spite of all that, there was something in me that even with all of the, the accolades and the things that were going well and, and the, the, the way that I was advancing and that I was doing well in the company, I was miserable. I was miserable because something had begun to stir inside of me and I was thinking to myself, this is not what I was made for. This is not what God created me for. This is not what he called me to. There's something more that he has for me. There's nothing wrong with working in a printing company and representing the kingdom of God there if that's what he calls you to. But if you're not doing what he called you to, you can do it all you want. You can spend all the money you want. You can do, try all kinds of other things that you want, but you will not find the fulfillment and the joy that your heart longs for until you're giving yourself to the place in the harvest where he has called you you have to do that that's important so like i said wednesday you know if, if god has gifted you with children you're not going to be you're gonna, not going to find you're not going to find the fullness of joy in him until you are being used by him in reaching children for the kingdom but at the same time oh God, here's a good one uh, how many of you know that not everybody in the world is called to youth ministry? You know, especially right around fifth or sixth grade. You know what I'm talking about. But you know what? To the person who is called to that, they can't imagine doing anything else. I actually did that for over 20 years, youth ministry. I loved it. And I still hang, love hanging out with kids when they let me. You know, now I'm getting old enough where they're like, uh, whose grandpa is that? You know, it's like, <laughs> like, who let their granddad come? It's like, it's, I'm not his granddad. Cut it out. You know, 
Um, but, uh, uh, but, but, you know, the thing is, somebody that's, I'll give you an example, somebody that is called and equipped and gifted for uh, senior adult ministry, they're, they're going to be miserable trying to do kindergarten, right? And somebody who is gifted in, in working with kindergarten kids is just going to be is just going to be miserable trying to teach adults cuz that's not what God called them to that's not what he equipped them for and so I'm just telling you if you want to live a rich life the first thing you've got to do is begin to examine yourself and say what is it that brings me joy in serving God what is it that he has equipped me for what am I gifted for and some of you have never even thought about that but I'm telling you God has given you a gift there's a calling that he's placed on your life and the first thing you've got to do is you've got to find what that is and, 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 and begin to do your, uh, to get involved in that. So you find your place in the harvest, but that really leads to the second place because knowing where you're supposed to be doing it is not the same as doing it. The second thing is you pour yourself into the harvest. And I say that, I, I chose those words specifically because the idea is, you know, when you pour something out, the idea is that you empty it. That you give yourself fully to it. You pour yourself into that calling. Whatever God has called you to, you don't hold anything back. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He said, so whether you eat or drink or, and this is where he pulls it all in, or whatever you do. You know, so we can't just say, well, he was just talking about this area. No, because he said, whatever you do, do it all. For the glory of God. And so that means that whether I'm working at, at the school, uh, with the school system or whether I'm working in the church or whether I'm serving as a janitor somewhere or I'm a bus driver for, for, for the city or whatever it might be, it doesn't matter what I'm, what I'm doing. If I, the, I need to make sure that I don't hold anything back, that everything I do, I give it my best and I never ever give it less than, than my all to that thing. But more importantly, even if it's that important for me to do on the everyday stuff, then how much more important is it for me than to pour myself and never hold anything back and give everything I've got to the place in the harvest that he's called me to? See, the thing is, and, and most of us have figured this out, you never get to live a single minute of this life a second time. We get one shot. We don't get to do-overs, you know, it's not like video games where you can reset it or you can gain extra lives, that sort of thing. We get one shot at this. We get one day at a time. Uh, this day that we have had today, we don't get it again. What we have done or not done for the cause of Christ that chance, that opportunity is past us. We cannot do that again. We cannot go back and say, well, I'm going to go back because, you know, I felt the Lord calling me to do this thing over here, but I didn't do it, so I'll go back and do it. No, you, 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 you get your one chance. You, you walk through this life one time. You live one day at a time. And so the thing is, what we have to do is learn to not hold back and give ourselves to every moment that he gives us, to pour ourselves into every moment that he gives us without holding anything back and and if we do that listen that is how from this day forward you can live a life without regrets
Anybody here have any regrets in your life? Let me see your hand. I got both hands up. If I, I put one foot up too. If I could put both feet up, I would, but that would be a very ugly scene for everybody involved. Listen, we all have, we all have regrets, but, but we don't have to create new ones. We don't have to create new ones. And if we, if we want to live our lives and look back and say no regrets, then the way we do that is that we come to the end of our life and say, I've given everything I had to the calling that God placed in my life. That's it right there. Doesn't matter what your vocation is, whether you're in law enforcement like Josh or, or whether you're working in the school system like, like Jason or whether you're retired or whatever you might be, the, 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 that doesn't make any difference. That's your vocation, not your calling. Uh, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying, listen, if you want to live your life without regret, then that means that I have to pour myself into the calling that God has placed in my life and not hold anything back. Because then when this life is over, I, I know I'm gonna, not going to have regrets in that case because when I stand before him, that's when he'll be able to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That means he says, listen, you did give yourself to my calling. You gave everything you had. You did what you can do. And I am pleased with, with you. Not because you were great. Not because you were successful. Not because, you know, you were the next Billy Graham and, and you reached a million souls. But he says, listen, I am pleased with you because you were faithful to what I asked you to do. So find your place in the harvest and then pour yourself into the harvest without holding anything back. I mean, think about it. Jesus gave everything he had for us. How could we do any less for him? And the reality is, in the end, it'll be worth it. No matter what the price, no matter what you have to walk through to be able to, to pour yourself into that harvest, it will be worth it. And we'll stand there with no regrets. So find your place in the harvest. Give everything you have. And then the third thing, it may be the most important, but it's also the most difficult. And it sounds easy until you run up against the wall. Anybody here, here ever hit a wall in your life? If you're like me, you hit the wall and you're so stubborn that you run into it about 10 times more, you know, until your head's bleeding and you say, maybe I shouldn't run into that wall anymore. But here, here's the thing, the third thing. Never, never, never quit. Are you going to stumble? Are you going to fail? Yeah, yeah, you will. You're not going to, there's nobody perfect. You're going to make mistakes. There are going to be times you're going to look back and say, oh, I, I could have done that better or, or, what, or maybe even worse. You say, man, I look back and I really blew at that time. But you never quit. The reality is there will be difficult times. There, there are going to be times when life does not seem fair to you. Which, by the way, let me just give you a newsflash. Life is not fair. 
There are going to be times when there's going to be intense anguish. There are going to be times of suffering. There's going to be times of sorrow. There's going to be times when it just seems like nobody else understands what you're, what you're walking through. There will be times when you're going to be so hurt that, that you're not sure if you can even bear up under the weight. There, there are not only times like that, but there's going to be times of failure. As I said, you're, just, you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You will fail. And, and can I say this as your pastor? I want to, you to understand this. You have freedom to fail when you try something for the kingdom of God. I want you to, listen, if you're not failing at anything, then that means you're not trying at anything. But there are going to be times when you fail. There are times when you're going to make mistakes. You will fail. But, but listen, some of, the, some of the greatest successes in the world uh, were failures at one time. In fact, did you know during its first year of business, the Coca-Cola company sold only 400 Cokes in a whole year? Uh, we all know of, have heard of Michael Jordan. Some say he was the greatest basketball player of all times. He was cut from his high school basketball team. How'd you like to be that coach? coach? <laughs> but you know, Michael Jordan has said in the past, he said that was the best thing that ever happened in his career because it motivated him. In 1905, the University of Bern turned down a doctoral dissertation. They said it was irrelevant and fanciful, and the young physics student who wrote the dissertation was disappointed but not defeated. His name was Albert Einstein. Or, or Thomas Edison, when he invented the, the light bulb, he tried over 2,000 experiments that failed. One time a young reporter asked him, he said, how did it feel to, to fail so many times and Thomas Edison looked at him and he said, I never failed once. I invented the light bulb. It just happened to be a 2,000-step process. <laughs> or there's Abraham Lincoln, one of my favorite historical figures. He entered the Black Hawk War as a captain. He worked really hard, did his best, and by the time he had, the war was over, he, was, he had worked his way all the way down to the rank of private. You're going to face suffering. You're going to face failure. But listen... I don't care what happens. I don't care what goes on in life. I don't care how discouraged you might feel. Just don't give up. Don't quit moving forward. Don't quit pouring yourself into the harvest, even if you don't see the, the harvest that you'd like to see. I, I know of missionaries that labored on the field for 20 years before they saw one person give their life to Jesus. Do you think they ever felt like giving up? You bet they felt like giving up, but, but they didn't give up and somebody was, was born into the kingdom of God because they didn't give up. There's always hope in Jesus. He who, who called you will enable you. He, uh, uh, we've heard it said before, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. The greatest victory that in your life may be just around the corner, but you won't know if you quit now. There's a poem that I, I've, I've read many, many times when I needed, uh, 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 I don't know, a kick in the pants, some encouragement. It's just called Don't Quit. I want to read it to you. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and, all, and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You might succeed with another blow. Often, 
The goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup and he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. So listen, you want to live a rich, full life? Find your place in the harvest. Give it everything that you've got and never Never, never quit. Write those down in the inside of your Bible. Write them on a piece of paper and, and put it where you see it a lot. Depending on who you are, that's either the mirror or the refrigerator. <laughs> Everyone in this room likes to visit one of those two places a lot. Write them down. Live by, by them. Remind yourself of them daily. When you get up in the morning... You say, Lord, help me to find my place in the harvest today and help me to pour myself into that harvest. And God, when, when things aren't, aren't going the way that I wish they would, Lord, uh, I want you to help me, give me the strength that I need to be a faithful servant and never, ever quit. If you do that, you'll live a life with no regrets. And that, to me, is a person who is truly, truly wealthy. I want to pray for you. Father.